Well, God is good. And all the time. All right, grateful to be here with you. My name is Reverend Mike. I'm the senior associate pastor. Grateful to be preaching today. Grateful to have you here online. I'm grateful we have Reverend Ashley Cooper, like Reverend Don said, is going to be here Wednesday and next Sunday. Incredible speaker, man of God, friend of Christ Church. You're not going to want to miss him Wednesday or this coming Sunday. And thank you for the feedback. I did a sermon last week on uh, breaking bad cycles, getting out of these bad cycles. And I've gotten so much feedback on that uh, throughout last Sunday and throughout the entire week. want to uh, thank you for that. You can always check that out on the Christ Church YouTube. Today, we're going to talk about how to hear God's voice when others don't. How do we hear God's voice when others don't? And speaking of that, let's talk about listening for a second. Well, I want to know who here believes that they're either a good listener, so-so listener, or bad listener. And online, you can do this with us as well. Who believes that you are a good listener? We've got some good listeners out there. Okay, some confident people there. And would you consider yourself a so-so listener? Okay. Where are my bad listeners? <laughs> oh, proud. We got a proud bad listener back there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I consider myself probably in the middle. You know, I definitely have had seasons where I know I'm listening very well, but my wife is probably listening right now. So I say I'm a so-so, <laughs> just a so-so listener. Well, listening. It can be difficult for all of us listening to one another. It's, it's really quite fascinating to me. It's uh, one of our probably most crucial skills we can have, and yet a lot of times we are missing what we're saying to one another. Listening is difficult for adults. I also know as a parent that listening is very difficult for children, very difficult for children. And two years ago, my daughters, they were wanting us to get them a dog. And uh, we said that, you know, it just wasn't the right time for us. You know, parents, you gotta figure this stuff out. It wasn't the right time for us. But instead, we will get you a couple of betta fish. So, yeah. <laughs> Fooled them. Not really. But uh, we got both my daughters betta, betta fish, and they, we wanted to teach them some responsibility. We wanted them to have a pet, but we were really just trying to buy time for this whole dog thing. But they both did a really good job. After about a month, did a really good job about taking care of their betta fish. You know, they'd have to feed it twice a day. Uh, and they did a good job with that for years. These betta fish will live for years. Well, uh, then, last summer, we still had the betta fish. Uh, we finally got a dog last July. We got an eight-week-old golden doodle puppy. His name is Theo. Uh, he's really, uh, they, the girls just absolutely love this dog. They love playing with him still. And, of course, he's a, he's a year old now. Now, at first, the girls were doing uh, pretty well with taking care of the responsibilities with Theo. That involved feeding. One of them feed him in the morning, one feed him in the, in the evening, in the walking part. Uh, and they were holding on to that responsibility with their fish. They did okay for a while. My older daughter kind of stuck with it, but my younger daughter, Ava, she kept forgetting to feed her fish. And, fish. and by the time last August and September came around, Valerie and I would ask her, Ava, have you fed your fish? And she said, oh, and she would run to her room and she would then go feed her fish because she'd forgotten. We kept telling her, listen to us, Ava. If you don't feed this fish, you know what's gonna happen? Your fish is going to die. I know, mommy. 
I know daddy. We'll, we'll feed the fish. No, no problem. I'll feed the fish. Well, guess what happened last fall? <laughs> Ava and Nora were playing in the living room. Valerie goes to Ava's room. She looks inside Ava's fish tank, and sure enough, her fish is just floating there vertically in the middle of the fish tank. So Valerie goes out to the living room and says, hey, Ava, um, I think your fish is dead. And Ava's eyes get all big, and her and Nora run to uh, her room, and, and Ava takes off the top of the tank and starts splashing kind of splashing at the fish, which, you know, the fish is underwater, didn't really do anything, kind of tapping on the glass, and if that would give it some life, and, and uh, nothing's really happening, and it gets kind of, just gets quiet, gets really quiet for a second, and then, just like as a last sign of life, the very end of, of the fish's tail just does this little last movement of life, and Ava's eyes got big again, and she yelled out, get the fish food. Well, it was a little too late with that. If Ava would have listened to her mom and dad, she would have been able to take care of that fish and maybe, who knows, it'd probably still be alive today. Listening. Parents, it's tough. Adults, it's tough to listen. Children, it's tough for them to listen. But you know, God wants us to be a people who listen. God wants us to be a people who listen to, uh, to one another and a people who obviously are always ready to listen to him. But what, pr what problem we encounter day after day is that we're in a world, we're in life situations that make it difficult to hear from God. In fact, there are people all around us who are not hearing from God. So how do we hear from God like he wants us to hear from him when the people around us, they don't? Friends, the Bible's gonna help us today. We're in our Superheroes of the Bible sermon series and we are looking at some of the most popular stories and characters in the Old Testament. And we are finding, of course, that these characters, they are powerful, there's no doubt about it. Their lives are complicated, but most of all, that their lives have something to teach you and I. Last week we talked about the man Samson who has this super strength and breaking bad cycles. Today we're going to talk about a man named Samuel. Samuel. So where are we at in all of biblical history? Well, we're actually situated really well to be after the Samson story. Last week in the book of Judges we found out that Joshua had just died and there was a new leadership plan that God had for the people of Israel. He was going to have judges lead them, and they were military-type leaders. They were really maybe what we might think of as tribal chiefs, and the idea was that these judges would help lead people to be in these strong relationships with God, but boy, that didn't happen. What we saw through the book of Judges is that a bad cycle starts to happen in the people where they would be kind of close to God for a while, and then their lives would fall apart and they would stop listening. We saw it in the lives of the people and we saw it in the lives of the judges, Samson being one of the worst of those judges. So this downward spiral starts happening, but within the book of Judges, there is a line that keeps coming up again and again. And it's supposed to give us a little bit of hope that maybe, just maybe, the people of God would again start to listen to God and heed their guidance 
his guidance in their life. And here's what the verse basically said again and again. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. In other words, there was this idea that this whole judge's leadership structure isn't working out for the people of Israel. Instead, they were going to need kingship, a monarchy, a king leader with a system of organization that would put, point them towards their Lord, our God, their God. So whenever we start to get into this book of 1 Samuel, we're supposed to be like, okay, it's time. The page has been turned, and we're about to see the people of God start to listen and show us what it's like to be God's people. But we open up this first book, and may not be exactly what we were hoping for at first. Let's go to Samuel's origin story. In contrast to Samson's kind of ideal upbringing, Samson, or excuse me, Samuel's is not. Samuel's father is Elkanah. Elkanah is married to two women, Peninnah, and he's married to Hannah. Well, Peninnah has children, which is, of course, a sign of blessing in that time. Hannah, who will actually turn out to be Samuel's mother, Hannah has no children at all. This is a burden that Hannah is carrying. And what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 1 is there's this yearly offering that's done at the tabernacle where Elkanah brings both his wives too. Both his wives are given a portion of meat that represents the children they have for an offering to bring before the Lord. Well, every single year, Peninnah, she has several offerings because she has several children, and Hannah does not. And what the Bible says is that if it wasn't bad enough that Hannah was kind of burdened by not having a child, the wife, the other wife of her husband, is there torturing her year after year after year about not having children. Last week when we were talking about Samson, we talked about that the Lord stirred Samson, right? What did that indicate? That indicated that the Lord was trying to work with Samson. There was like what we would consider a conviction of the Holy Spirit, trying to change Samson. God was trying to mold him into the man he was supposed to be. This isn't from God what's going on in this text. This is more of a spiritual attack that's coming through Peninnah towards Hannah. So she's carrying this burden of not having kids, and at the same time, she's got a close family member who keeps torturing her. Year after year, they go to the temple, and this is happening. So what we already see is someone in her family that's not really listening to her and not listening to God. Well, we find out about her husband, Elkanah. Elkanah clearly loves his wives and really loves his wife, Hannah. So we get a little hope again that, okay, maybe this will be a man of God and kind of help her through her journey. But instead of that, we find out that Elkanah is absolutely clueless on what it means to be a a husband. And in the midst of Hannah's pain about not having children, he's like, I don't get it. Why are you so upset? Because you have me. Isn't that enough? That's what he says to Hannah. And then he says to her, aren't I better than having 10 sons? So we're like, oh my gosh, this guy is not getting it. And again, the people of God are not having that transformative listening 
that we were hoping to get in Judges is not happening in Samuel as well. So finally, there is a last trip that we hear about of them going to the tabernacle, and that's when basically, that's when Hannah basically says, I can't handle this burden, and I can't handle this torture any longer. So what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna pour out my heart before the Lord. And she goes by the tabernacle and she just cries and she just prays to God and lifts this burden up. And this is what she says to the Lord. She says, oh Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, I will give him back to you. And he will be yours for his entire lifetime. So she comes to this really beautiful place in her journey where I think where self, we all want things, and that's a, a good thing, and it can be a very good thing, and uh, selflessness combined. Have you ever had something like that where you wanted something so bad but you were really ready to give it up for the Lord, dedicate it to him? Well, this idea of having her son, she says, God, this is something I want deep within my heart. I'm tired of being tortured about this. I'm tired of being burdened by it. But Lord, if you just hear my cry, I'm gonna give this child back to you. He will be yours. He will be like a clergy person, a priest. His entire life will be dedicated to you. So we hear the sincere prayer. At the same time, there's a priest named Eli, the head priest, he'd been a head priest for a very long time, comes from most powerful family in Israel. He's at a distance and he's watching as Hannah is there praying by the tabernacle. And we have a little hope come up again. Well, maybe this man of God will be like the answer to her prayer and help her in some way. But what happens instead? This man of God, the man of the clock, he doesn't hear what she's saying. He just sees her lips moving and her in this emotive state. He goes over to her and he said, what are you doing here at the uh, tabernacle? And why have you been drinking? You're drunk, aren't you? This man of God, this man of the clock is supposed to, this, that's how he addresses her when she's pouring her, out her heart before the Lord. And so again, there's a little bit of, of, of uh, just a heaviness there, like gosh, even the man of God isn't getting it and isn't in tune and listening to the Lord and listening to the people. However, Hannah says, I'm not. I'm just pouring out my heart before the Lord. And then Eli the priest does leave her with a blessing. What happens? What happens is the Lord hears her cry and gives her a son. And that's where we find Samuel. And Hannah makes good on her promise. Sometimes we say we want to do something for the Lord, you know what I mean? And say, if you just do this for me, then I'll, or if you do this for me, Lord, I'll do something for you. Sometimes we forget about, you know, what we promise, Lord. I know I have a time from here or there. Hannah, uh, she is someone who is going to fulfill the promise she made before God. So she is going to dedicate her son Samuel to God. Here's the big idea we come to at the beginning of our story today. Samuel is different than Samson. Samson was put in this great disposition to be this great man of God, had a great upbringing, yet he failed miserably. Samuel has more of a checkered background. His parents definitely, not both of them were listening to the Lord. And we come to this point 
of understanding that Sam, or excuse me, that Samuel will be someone who responds to God in the midst of his background. But we have to pay attention that he is surrounded by people who are not listening to God. So here's really the first point for us. We have to identify the environments where we have a hard time listening to God. And here's what I'm gonna call them for our first point today. We have to identify low God signal locations. We gotta identify low God signal locations in our life. Those places where we're just not really picking up on what God is saying to us. Those, maybe those people, those situations that make it hard for us to really hear from God. That will begin to give us the edge of hearing God when others don't. Don't. A few weeks ago, <clears throat> the kids were, my kids and Valerie's kids were at the grandparents' house. And so Valerie and I decided to go on a date. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we decided we were gonna go get some barbecue. Anyone like barbecue out there? I know I do. Oh yeah, I and mean, we got some good St. Louis barbecue around here. So we went to Sugar Fire. Went to Sugar Fire, got some, we got like, we get the meat lovers kind of plate and we split it. So we had some brisket there. Anyone like brisket? Oh yeah, we had some pulled pork. We had some turkey. That turkey was really more for my wife. It was too light of meat for me that night. And we had a sausage link. Oh, and we were just eating all that up, a few sides. And I don't know about you, but I like to take all the different sauces and put them all out and dip. I get in my own world with all those different sauces and I'll just take little bites at a time and all that. We had a nice time and I was posting to my Instagram story while we were doing it because why, I guess I just do that a lot. And so I was posting photos of me and Valerie and then we went to Crumble, Crumble Cookie. I think that's what it's called there over Green Mountain. Anyone been to Crumble yet over there? Get one of those cookies, new, new cookie place over there by Deerberg's. So we were in line there and of course I'm still doing my Instagram story away. The issue was when I'm trying to take photos of all this, I couldn't uh, upload it to Instagram. I couldn't upload it to social media. And I kept doing it and I was getting a little bit frustrated and then I remembered something. We have AT&T and for us, since we've lived here, in that Greenmount area, we never get self uh, internet through our cell phone there. I don't know about you all, but it happens every single time. And I forgot about that and I was getting frustrated and I said, you know what, I just need to, point, I need to put this away because this is a place where I'm not going to get a signal. And I need to wait and to find a place where I can go get a signal and upload that. And that's what I did. Friends, there are places in our lives that are difficult for us to connect with God. They're not great God signal locations. It could be a work environment. We have to know that if that work environment makes it difficult, it doesn't mean we don't work, it's just that we can't expect to really connect with God there. Or we could just, you know, thinking about Samuel, we could just look at the larger culture of America. It doesn't seem like it's a country right now that is receptive to hearing from God. Maybe it's busyness. Busyness or stress. Those are things that when we have those, we get a low God signal. And we have to find space in order for us to find those times, those places where we can have a little bit of time with the Lord. You know, uh, just the end of 2021, I felt like God was saying to me that I needed to have a few days of concentrated time with him. I knew I couldn't do it then, uh, but then once we got into the spring of 2022, I scheduled something, spiritual retreat center up north, uh, northern Illinois, 
I went there for three days. I put my cell phone away, no social media, brought my Bible, my prayer journal, did a lot of walking and talking with the Lord. You know what I found out for me? That was a place where I got great connectivity when it came to my relationship with God. And I wanna share this with you too. What God was speaking to me in those times is still fueling me this day. We gotta find those places and we just can't get frustrated. Sometimes I think we get frustrated in, in low to no God signal places with certain people in certain situations and we keep running our head up against kind of a, a wall and we just gotta know, it's like, you know what? This place or these people may not be the best place for me to connect with Jesus. So what does that mean? It, that means you gotta find a place where you get a good signal with the Lord. Samuel was not placed in a location with a good God signal. His religious community didn't have a good God signal. A parent and mentor in his life did not have a good God signal. But here we are gonna find out that even with all that pushing against him, he could hear God when others don't. Let's go to our text. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle of the ark of God. <clears throat> okay, so Samuel's about 12 years old right now. He's been in with Eli, serving as an assistant to him for several years. And what we hear in this early part of, of this story here is that the, the Lord giving his word to the people was very rare. Why was the Lord's word rare then? He wasn't happy with the people. Now, sometimes I think when we hear the silence of God, we get that confused. A lot of times God is silent in our lives because he's teaching us or he's, he's letting us know that he's with us and we have to trust him and take responsibility and sometimes we think God's not pleased with us. Well, that's not the case. Jesus loves you. God is pleased with you. However, in this context, in the Old Testament, God was not pleased at all. This was a silence of displeasure. Does anyone know what I mean, though? Silence of displeasure. Any married men out there? You're the bad listener. You're the bad listener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Merry men out there, I have put myself in position once or twice to experience the silence of displeasure from my spouse. Any men know about that? Oh, we're not gonna talk about it, guys. We're not gonna, okay. Okay, I'm gonna say, let me just talk about, I know you guys aren't like that, let me talk about me. So, six years ago, <clears throat> I'm a football fan, love football. I went home to watch uh, the second half, I had to miss the first half, but the second half of Super Bowl 51, I believe. It's when the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots played. You remember that game, Josh? You remember that one? It, at halftime, the Atlanta Falcons were up 21 to three to the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots are gonna come back in that game for the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. <clears throat> so, uh, I got there second half whenever that comeback started ha to happen. I was so fired up about it. Girl, girls, our kids were in bed. I had my, my snacks. I'm watching the game. 
And my wife has watched a lot of football with me. She's usually on her phone or quiet or whatever. That night, during the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history, my wife had a lot to say. <laughs> I mean, she had a whole lot to say. And I'm like, I, I was so happy that my wife was happy. Uh, and, but I really wanted to watch the game. And my wife was asking me questions about whatever. She was commenting on the, the, the uniform. She was commenting on the, the, the commenters. And, and she was going and going. And I'm like, you know, really trying to focus in on this game. And so then I devised men. I devised a strategy. Have you ever seen Jurassic Park? You remember whenever the T-Rex is there and like Dr. Grant is like, be still, don't say anything. And maybe the T-Rex won't see you. Remember that part? Well, I, I kind of just was really quiet for a long time, and I was just very still. And I thought, maybe, just maybe, Valerie wouldn't see me anymore. <laughs> Didn't work, okay? She still saw me. So then I wanted to up my game. I thought, I got another strategy. While she was talking to me, you, I, you won't believe this, I picked up the remote and I turned up the television a little bit. <laughs> No, no, hang on, hang on. <laughs> hang on now. It worked. You wouldn't believe it. That thing worked. She like left. And you're not gonna believe this. She, it worked so well. She wanted me to enjoy the experience so much. She allowed me to stay in the living room on that couch all night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she really did. But I will tell you, the next couple of days, friends, there was a silence. And I think it relates to this. There was a silence of displeasure. And until I made, until I made the relationship right, that displeasure was there. God wasn't talking with the people, friends, because he was not happy. And he was looking for the relationship to be restored. And in the Bible here, Eli, there's signs about him just not being spiritually dull. He's got a couple priests, uh, a couple sons who are priests. They're in the ministry. They're spiritually dull too. We've already given all the examples. But there's this really cool part in there where it says that Samuel is sleeping near the ark of God. So this is early in the morning. He's sleeping near the ark of God. And this is a sign. What's the sign? That Samuel is putting in some effort to be close to God when it appears no one else is. What do we wanna do if we wanna hear from God when others don't? We gotta put in the effort. Are we putting in the effort to hear from the Lord? I can tell you this. Every single person here with us now, online, who hears this, you are putting in the effort. You're spending time in worship. That is a part of showing God that he matters to you in your life. The Bible says, don't neglect your meeting together. And if you made it to church today, you really should and have a good type of pride saying that, you know what, I took that step. I know there's a lot of people who've now started coming back to church. A lot of people who are coming to church for the first time. You should be proud of yourself that you are taking those steps. I wanna tell you something. God is proud of you too. He is proud of you when you take 
those steps, when you put in effort in your spiritual life. And like anything in life, once you put in the effort, results will follow. And I bet, and I know, I know that I know that I know, for all of us here, when we've done that, God has blessed us. And what does that mean? That means he's pleased with us about us putting in that effort. I just wanna use this for a moment to preach just for a second because there was something on my heart when I was preparing for this sermon. Let me tell you what is a waste of effort when it comes to like trying to hear from God. Let me tell you what a waste is. Going to talk to someone like a psychic, reading tarot cards, grabbing a magic eight ball, taking out a Ouija board, looking at astrological signs, those are not the efforts that is pleasing to the God of the Bible. Those efforts won't get you anywhere. However, friends, you worshiping him, you giving, you reading your Bible, you praying, you connecting with Jesus in that way, that, my friends, is going to bless you richly. All right, so we're early in the, it's early in the morning in the tabernacle. Samuel, he's a young apprentice, like I said, about 12 years old. He's still under Eli's authority. And Samuel has been putting this effort to be close to God. God is watching. And then something happens. Here's what the word says. Suddenly, the Lord called out to Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. So out of nowhere, God sees, God sees the effort, and out of nowhere, he calls on the boy Samuel. Now, we should expect that this word of the Lord is coming to the priest, Eli, but it's not. Why? Because Samuel is putting in the effort to get close to God. But of course, Samuel, you kind of, we just read it there. He doesn't get that it's God calling on him. Eli doesn't get that it's God calling on him. But here's the idea that helps us to hear God when others don't. When you seek God, when you're putting in the effort, be ready for the unexpected to happen. Be ready for the unexpected to happen. When you put in effort to get close to God, it's not just luck. It's not just, oh, that worked out. That is our God blessing you. But it's hard to be ready for the unexpected, right? I got my motorcycle license uh, last, like, August or September, last September, I believe. And it's something I was looking to do for over a year, like 14 months, thinking about it, did the research, did the study. I took a safety course at SWIC that was recommended by someone here. I took that over a weekend. If you pass the written and, and the, uh, the road test, then you get a license. So I did that. But I didn't, get a, I didn't actually get a motorcycle till back in January. So I'd already been thinking about a motorcycle for a year, got the license, and I was just itching to ride a motorcycle, but I didn't have one. However, my dad, who's been riding scooters for like 30 years, he has one. And my eyes were set on Thanksgiving last fall when we would be visiting to get on his motorcycle. Now, he has a, a spider, one of those, uh, they got two wheels in the front, one wheel in the back. You all know those motorcycles. It's really like driving a luxury car. I mean, this thing is nice. It's not like driving a motorcycle, but 
we got there and he knew I was just itching, itching to ride and he said, okay, Michael, tomorrow I'll let you on the bike. And I said, great. So the next afternoon comes and we're going to look at his bike and he's showing me the controls. This thing is the easiest bike in the world to ride. It's, it's an automatic, it's not a manual and it even has something like reverse, okay? So I'm excited, I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it. This is gonna be really simple. And right before I'm about to get on, right before I'm about to get on the bike, he said, whoa, 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 hold on here. So let me get on the back first. Let me get on the back first. I'm like 40 years old. <laughs> we live, my, my hometown is a town of 14, 15,000. There's, there's no traffic there. I couldn't believe, and it's a luxury car. You know what I mean? It's not really a motorcycle. And not to mention, my dad's not a small man. <laughs> kind of like three spins on the scale, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just kind of got my, my hand there, and I, and I thought to myself, I mean, talk about unexpected. I didn't know what I was going to do, but it's not my motors. What am I going to say, you know? So I'm not going to tell you what happened that day, but I will tell you this. I imagine on social media all throughout my hometown, there were a lot of pictures of my dad and me uh, together uh, that day. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But let me tell you, uh, and maybe, just maybe, he decided when that ride was happening, he put on like 97.5 light rock. And then he's like, yeah, turn that on, turn that up. And it's like foreigner, I wanna know what love is. And you know, maybe that happened. <laughs> I'm still having a hard time talking about it, honestly. But <laughs> anyways, here's the thing. Unexpected things happen in life. And when it comes to God, unexpected things happen too there too. So we have this young boy who uh, gets this word from the Lord. Eli doesn't hear it, but Samuel does. And finally, this process happens a couple times where Eli says, just go back to bed. And then he says, okay, Samuel, if you hear the voice again, say your servant is listening. And that's where we find ourselves in the text. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10. And the Lord came and called us before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Samuel gets it, friends. God makes himself after that stand in front of Samuel, make himself known. Then Samuel comes, with, excuse me, God comes with a pretty big ask for Samuel. He's gonna have to give this prophetic word that is going to um, kind of rock the family of Eli. But you know what we find out as we kind of look at this story? that the listening Samuel was ready to do, what made him different? What, make, what can make us different when it comes to listening to God when others don't? Samuel, he wasn't just there to listen to say he was listening. Samuel there was going to listen and then do what God asked. Samuel was gonna be obedient, even if it was a tough task that God was asking. So what's our final point today? What do we need to do? to hear God when others don't. We just gotta be willing to serve. We have to have a heart that says, God, if you ask me to, I'll do it. Final story. One of really the most beautiful, from my perspective, um, spirit of serving that I've seen in this last six months to a year actually happened at the Asbury Outpouring. The Asbury Outpouring, you may have heard, some people call it the Asbury Revival, happened back in February of this year. Um, during a regular chapel for, for the college students at, at 10 a.m. Eastern on a Wednesday, 
uh, the chapel service ended, but a group, of, a group of students stayed, and they kept singing praise. They began to pray. They began to pray and, uh, and give testimony. Well, it turned into a 24-7 time of prayer, worship, and testimony for 16 days straight. They stopped holding classes for those 16 days, and the town of, uh, well, the, the student body is about 1,600, so they were involved, many, most of them were involved. The town is about 6,000, but over those six days, 50,000 people from around the world came to worship God in Hughes Auditorium so they could get refreshed, get healed, whatever they needed from the Lord. It was powerful, it was on national news and all that. Well, I am an alumni of Asbury University, and during day 10 of the revival, they called alumni together to update us and to have a time of prayer. So there was all these incredible stories happening. It's amazing how the staff and students, uh, you know, just kind of stood up in the midst of all these people visiting the campuses. But Mark Troyer, who has been at Asbury since before I even went there, he um, is VP of Advancement there, and he was sharing on the Zoom call just the spirit of serving in the midst of the people. The line to get into Hughes Auditorium, just to get in and go worship, was uh, about two miles long, five hours to get in, just to go in and worship. And what the staff was trying to do of the college was go in and go on the line and greet people and try to serve them the best that they could. Um, there, the president was there. I heard he was bringing a wagon and it had water and fruit in it and was just giving it out to all these people from around the world who wanted to worship. So Mark was sharing a story about where he went up to a group of people and he said that people were ministering to each other in line. And Mark said that, he's like, he asked where one group, some people in the group were from. They said, oh, we're from California. He asked the other people in the group, they said, oh, we're from Michigan. He said, oh, wow. And he was talking to them and they said, well, Mark, that woman behind us, could you get her into the chapel? She's been standing in line for three hours. We still have a couple hours to go. And Mark kind of looked back at the woman. This woman was eight and a half months pregnant. Line three hours, two hours to go. And so Mark, he was like, yeah, oh yeah, he said, yeah, I can, I can do that. So he goes up to the woman and he says, ma'am, um, I can, I can get, we can get you right in the chapel, go in the side doors over there if, if you'd like to. And she said, oh my gosh, that would be great. Thank you so much. And he said, okay, let me take you. And they, I think she even kind of put her arm in his arm and they start walking to the chapel. And then she stops him and she says to him, um, well, I'm here with my, my dad and my husband. Do you mind if they come too? And Mark said, yes, absolutely. They, they can come. And she starts, her dad and her husband, she starts waving them over and they, they start to come over to him. And Mark's like, okay. And they start walking and she stops him again. She grabs his shoulder, leans over to his ear and whispers. She whispers to him, thank you so much. My dad doesn't know Jesus. We're here for him. When I heard that story, like Zoom, everyone on Zoom starts crying. I start crying. I go upstairs, tell Valerie, she starts crying. Such a powerful story of a heart of service. What is God looking for, friends, for us, that we might be sensitive to the spirit like that, that says that whenever he calls, we'll say, your servant is listening. Friends, for this sermon series, we have a prayer at the end. 
uh, of the sermons and you got a prayer card on your way in. So if this resonated with you, you can pray throughout the week. Uh, and so what we'll do now is we'll say a prayer and then I'll give a closing prayer. So the prayer that's on your card is also on the screen. Will you pray it with me? God, every day I desire to hear and heed your voice in my life. Help me to completely focus on you and your plans for my life and ignore any distractions that would take away from that. Here I am, Lord, committed to listening to you and you alone. In Jesus' strong name, amen. Father God, we give you honor and glory for your magnificent word. We thank you, God, for in the midst of these two stories, you were always there. You had silence, yeah. But the silence was that people would seek you and be restored in relationship with you. Not because you were forever mad. You're just trying to get attention. God, we thank you for this child. Samuel, a 12-year-old boy who kind of humbles all of us this day. Because God, we have all had our times of not listening. Forgive us, Lord. We thank you that you are a forgiving God. We thank you for Samuel. And we just pray, God. First of all, God, we say really we wanna be those people that, that can hear you, that can be in that good place with you so that we can give you glory, so that we can experience what you want for us. So we need your help. We can't do it on our own, but that's why we're here. We're here to ask it. So for anyone, Lord God, whom you're really ministering to today, I pray, God, that uh, this really takes a hold so that they may experience everything that you have intended for them. Lord, we love you. We give you the praise. We pray through Jesus' strong name. And the church said...